Coming up, what an excellent day for secrets. Secrets. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 96 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Chris getting ready to say something. And it ends with a recording of someone saying, Fear the priest. Fear the priest. Someone? I thought... They said they were no one. Or no thing. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even see you had written that in the notes. (laughs) That is so stupid. so stupid. (laughs) I'm sorry, folks. We're bringing you along for this for this game that Kenan and I have, where we're trying to surprise each other with these really dumb That's jokes. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay, but yeah. All right. We'll we'll get into that, folks. Um, for now, let's get back to the top of this minute. We're back at the McNeil House, back in the library, and Chris is about to do something tremendous. This is the thing that has been weighing on her. She has kept it hidden. She has been suffering in silence for fear that they'll take Reagan away. They'll lock her up. But she is making a decision here, folks. She has decided to tell this man, this priest, in part because she trusts him, but also because she has no other choice now. Mm -hmm. So after a pause, she says, and she can barely get it out at first, but she manages a whispered, she... And then the rest comes, killed Burke Dennings. This was her very last card. Look at her posture. Look at her face. This is it. She has placed her very last card down, and we can see that even as she does so, she's not completely convinced that it's going to convince him. But like I said, it's all she can do. Now, we cut to Karis, who either didn't hear her or doesn't think he heard her correctly. Personally, I think he heard exactly what she said, right. but he still says, what? We cut back to Chris, I, and I love this, folks. Now that it's out, now that her last card is on the table, we see the old Chris is back. She looks him dead in the eye and says it again. She killed Burke Dennings. Mm-hmm. A pause, and then she continues. She pushed him out her window. And yes, we can see and hear the despair and the pleading in her face and in her voice. But what we don't hear and what we don't see is hesitation, uncertainty, doubt, because there is none. Like I said, she has put down her last card and she is going to play it. So I see everything that you're, you're saying in her performance, but I also see a little bit of challenging him, right? Like, I have said this thing. Now, what are you going to do about it? You, like, all this BS about this is this is psychiatric, right? We have to mm-hmm, get into the mm-hmm. thing, right? This isn't that big of a deal. It's all in your yeah. head. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he is saying this, but, but you know, sort of like this is you hyster- hysterical broads in this house or it's a house full right. of women and you're mm-hmm. making all this stuff up. And she's like, well, now what? Now what are you going to do? I told you yeah. everything. And, uh, yeah. And it's a little like, I mean, what, like? You're complicit in this now. Right. It's yeah. like, hey, we're, we're, I'm, I'm handcuffing you to this situation. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. which is actually, Keenan, I didn't even think of that. That is that is a really smart thing for Chris to do. And so maybe 
like in in the playing of this last card, this is like, well, I'm taking you with me. So now now you gotta you gotta dig us out. Right? Yeah, I like that. They were handcuffed together. But yeah. it is okay, now you you know she's a murderer, right? Mm-hmm. You're not as a priest, as we've said before, in the scene on the bench in, in the little mm-hmm. park by the bridge. You are not allowed to preemptively uh, absolve her of sins, but now priest and psychiatrist, you know that she's a murderer. And you oh, have wow. to Yeah. What are you gonna do about that? Like you have a you have an obligation as a priest and psychiatrist to help her. Oh my god! Like, it, and it goes back to that that scene. It's like mm-hmm. I, I can. It's like, well, would you turn him in? It's like, no. As a priest, I would I would listen to his confession, right. but then I would convince himself to turn himself in. Mm-hmm. And now she. And but then, and then later he's like, no, no, no. I you know I can't see her as a priest. I can see her as a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, psychiatrist mm-hmm. who who would have to turn somebody in. Here you go. <laughs> right, you get to be a psychiatrist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 the Cartman victory dance of the- <laughs> 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 I told you she killed back Dannings. She killed back Dannings. <laughs> Chris, these these random spells of of <laughs> of, of giddiness, I, I just don't know. Um, but actually, Keenan, yeah, that's a really good point. In the book, she actually says those words. She says, "Now you tell me what to do." Mm. Um, which is which is very very interesting. It also it, it, uh, it this scene goes on a little bit longer afterwards. Um, so the the admission of she killed Burke Dennings is a little bit more emotional in the book. Um, after which Karis kind of like tries to calm her down and tries to reassure her and basically convinces her that well you don't know for sure that hmm. she did it. She would have to tell you. She would have to give you. Um, the exact details of how she killed him and because she can't do that and because she is delusional right now we shouldn't believe anything she says and so basically i mean he's he's kind of uh, i don't know if he's breaking the law here but like he's 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 you're putting his neck on the line for chris and but in doing so saying it's okay i got you like i'm gonna i'm going to help you with this right like like you you you've handcuffed me to the situation but also like i'm okay with that like we're like, I'm not going anywhere. That's right? interesting. So we have an earlier draft of the script that we've been looking at from December of 72 uh, mm. during production. And yeah, so it does get a little bit more emotional than in the movie, like a little bit mm-hmm. more like she's lost control as opposed to in the movie where she is you know, stealing herself. She is in this control. Is total this, control. Yeah. yeah. So we have... Um, do, 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 yeah, we have we have a, a parenthetical here that says, Chris, hysterical. Oh, <laughs> right? oh wow. So let me pick this up about halfway through this scene, and, and we'll, we'll just uh, – it's all dialogue with no action lines here between Karis and Chris. So okay. a reading from the screenplay of Blatty. He holds up the empty vial. I just told her this is holy water. When I sprinkled it on her, she reacted very violently. And so it's just ordinary tap water. Christ, who gives a shit? She's dying. What's the difference between holy water and tap water anyway? Holy water is blessed. Oh, Christ. Where's her father? In Europe. Have you told him what's happening? No. Well, I think it would help if you were here. It's I've asked you to drive a demon out. God damn it. Not ask another one in. What the hell good is Howard right now? What's the good? There's a strong possibility that Reagan's disorder is caused by her guilt over. Guilt over what? Hysterical. It could over the divorce. All that psychiatric bullshit. It's she's guilty because she killed Burke Denning. She killed him. She killed him and they'll put her away and see. So, so yeah, so it is, there's a bunch of underlines. There's a bunch of uh, exclamation points. I tried to hit wherever there was an exclamation point or a mm-hmm. underline. They're all over the place. Um, yeah. So it does get emotional, but unlike in the book, as you're saying it, like the, the scene is over. When she says, she oh, killed, yeah, she killed Burke Dennings. End of scene. We cut to the language lab. Oh, geez. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So that's, that's a really interesting, like intermediate between, between the, uh, the book and then the movie, which is even yeah. more pared down. So. That yeah, I mean, like of the three, I think I I prefer 
this screenplay mm-hmm. version the least. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it, it 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 has kind of, it's kind of like the worst of both worlds, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like the the book she this is an emotional outburst in the book, but it's like it's justified and you are with Chris as she does it. She's mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, finally, finally the floodgates are open. Finally it's out, right?" Mm-hmm. And it's this final like um uh, not confrontation, but like, well, I guess, yeah, confrontation yeah. with the truth, um, you know, uh, and then, and, and Karis is brought in, uh, with it. And then the movie, like you say, she has all the power. She is controlling this situation. She has, she has dropped this bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, she has played this card and, and, and then it cuts away. It's like, we don't even see, uh, you know, how Karis reacts. Right. right? So both of those, I like, I like both of those inter- er, interpretations, but then the one, you know, like the, the screenplay, Blatty, mm-hmm. come on. Like, <laughs> you had such a good one in the book and then Friedkin did such a good one in the, in the movie. And yeah. like the screenplay is like, eh, well, that's, yeah, that's the process sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, and I love, I do love the, um, I asked you to drive a demon out, not bring another one in. Mm-hmm. That's also in the book. Um, and that's just like, I mean, I understand why we can't have it like in the, in the scene as it is right, in, the movie, in the movie. Um, but I do, I do, ooh, that is a really nice. <laughs> but Chris, yeah. You can, you can still, be, you can still up, be sassy. Chris? That's in the, real yeah, sassy. Have you been practicing <laughs> that one? <laughs> okay. The minute he says, there's a guilt. Right. Like, I asked you to know, if minutes, minute he mentions Howard. And she's like, like working with one. like one of her comedy writer friends, like, like yeah. Bruce Valange or somebody <laughs> hey I have what, what if we motion what if he says what if he says <laughs> oh, the demon and then you say <laughs> oh yeah because Howard is kind of a demon right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's gonna work it's gonna be great for you yeah you're gonna have such a great time <laughs> <laughs> all right I got this I got this <laughs> No, we're 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 do, we're doing it again. We're we're painting Chris so unfairly. Um, <laughs> She's a professional. <laughs> yes. Um. But no, I th- I think I think our listeners know exactly how we feel about Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we love her. Yes. Um. But yeah. So uh, let's see. Yeah, we we cut back to Damien, but half the screen is still taken up by Chris. She turns now, and even though she's not supposed to be the focus of this shot, she's literally out of focus here. I couldn't help but look at her first. Mm-hmm. Maybe because like she turns her head, like so we have like movement, and we see, even with her image all blurry, we see the the resolution of the thing she just did play out on her face. Like, there, it's finally out. Now whatever happens, happens. And of course, that is coupled by Dimmy's face, right? Like Keenan, what do we got going on in, in, in Dimmy's face right here? Like, does he believe her firstly? That is a really great question. It, mm. It's quite quite a thing to consider what she is saying. Yeah. That's why I love these Jason Miller moments where he, he is mm-hmm. freezing us out, right? He's freezing Chris out with his little mask and he's freezing mm-hmm. us out. So I don't know. I think it's a great question. Lester, mm-hmm. I don't have an answer. Does he believe her? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, folks, we have we have uh, we have laid that question out on the table. So you know, you guys you guys write in or or comment on our um in our listener group, right? Like what is what is uh What's what's going on in Dimmy's mind right now in this shot, right? Because we're going to see uh, in the next shot that he has decided to like not run away from this from this situation. <laughs> right. So so he's he he must be uh, you know uh, he must have decided to help her. Um, but yeah, yes. But does he? 
does he believe her? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this is another exactly. layer of, uh, right. I mean, you know, in movies, movie times are so interesting, right? Because it's so condensed, right? But mm-hmm. he has known Chris McNeil for like a, a day and a half, right? Yes. So, <laughs> so like for us, it's been a, a pretty big chunk of the movie now, like 20 minutes. So it's like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, of course you're on the same team and you're our heroes and you you respect each other, et cetera. But like, right. yeah, does he probably believe? had so many lunches together? And... <laughs> right, exactly. They have friend, friendship bracelets somewhere in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, now, once again, for me, it looks like he's got that, like, what have I gotten myself into look, <laughs> yeah. right? And what I like here is that the scene ends right there. We don't get his whole reaction, right? We don't know what he says to her after that, It's if, if he says anything, mm-hmm. right? Um it could be like the book where he tries to like calm her and reassure her, but it could also be a little bit more like cut and dry, like this unspoken thing between them that things have gotten serious, right? Right. What we do know is that this hasn't turned him away. And how do we know that? Because of the next scene, we're back at the language lab. He hasn't given up on them. Right. But before we join him in the lab, this is it, folks. This is where Blatty reveals to us the secret that Carl has been keeping from us. When was the last time we saw Carl in the movie at this point? Um, the Kinderman scenes? Yeah, it must have been the Kinderman scenes, okay. right? So that's a good indication of, you know, movie Blatty and book Blatty and the restrictions of the of the medium of film, right? We have not right, right. thought of Carl for quite some time. Yes, we haven't thought, I mean, you know, we haven't seen him on screen, but, you know, there's a lot of doors that he could have been, like, you know, trapped himself <laughs> oh, behind. Oh, wait, no, I remember last time we saw Carl. <laughs> Where? <laughs> last time we saw Carl, he says, he says, it wants no straps. Oh, that's <laughs> yes, right. Yes, yes. He, yeah, so he says, he wants no straps. And he's like, oh, and you're you're here another man with this house full of crazy broads? Like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're yeah, in yeah. charge. You're the man here. Mm-hmm, and we haven't seen right. him since then. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, folks, uh, we opened this up with uh, what an excellent day for secrets, right? And we got the secret, we got the big reveal that uh, that Chris has just dropped on uh, on Karis here. But we got another secret here. This is uh, this is Carl's secret. Mm. Um, and folks, Keenan has been playing along. He started reading the book again, but he has held off on reading this scene. So this is going to be completely new to him. Uh, Keenan, before we read, do you want to do you want to offer up any <laughs> guesses as as to what Carl has been hiding oh, from us? Oh, how humiliating! Right? Yeah. Uh, so. To, mm. to recap, recap. I'm a wuss. I read the prologue when we did the prologue um, way mm. back when we started. I was like, okay, I'm going to read this bit by bit, and I got too scared. <laughs> so I read and read a couple of other books. I read Batilda. I read <laughs> Uncle Tom's Cabin. I read The Jungle. <laughs> I read a bunch of things, and then I finally I'm like, okay, no, like we don't have many um, uh, podcasts left. We don't have many minutes left, so I better catch up. Um, but I remember that yeah, Lester said that he would like to spill spill Carl's secrets on the air with me. So I, mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. don't know. It's something. So in the book, he's been going places. We have this scene in the book where we mm-hmm. basically cut away from Damien and we cut away from Chris. And Tar- Carl turns a corner down a street and like crumples against the wall and cries. And we're and like that's the end mm-hmm. of the chapter. And we're not sure what the hell that's about. Yeah. So and then Kinderman has accused him of cheating on Willie. So it's not that right. If Kinderman mm-hmm. has said you're cheating on your wife, it can't be that. Right. There's no such thing as this ghost. And then <laughs> this is a movie about ghosts. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. I thought about like, does he have like a secret daughter or something? But like, hmm. but how would he? He doesn't. He's not from DC, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't. That doesn't make any any goddamn sense. Like I'm thinking about. Oh, does you know he he has this relationship with um with Reagan? So maybe he has a daughter uh-huh. or or a child that he can't take care of. But I hmm. I I don't know. 
So okay. I really, right. really don't know. Because like, yeah, but he has secrets that he has to go and, and go do during the night as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like, what are night based secrets? I don't know. <laughs> like he has been sneaking off to get cheesesteaks late at night. Because <laughs> Willie won't let him get cheesesteaks. Well, Willie Willie is his accountability buddy. Yes, exactly. They're they're both on this diet, <laughs> and he goes to Philly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why he couldn't have seen the the movie that Kinderman is accusing him of. Like that, there was um, the projectionist uh, log said that the movie broke down. Right, and and, and, and uh, Carl's in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I have no okay. idea. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Okay. All right, folks. Here we go. Oh, sorry. And uh, we're just gonna uh, just a, a little preface here. So we're starting out a little bit before the event, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of like tie it into like what's happening. So this is before. This is this is um, after. Uh, Chris has dropped the bomb, um, but it is before the the language lab scene. So so Karis is still in the house, and actually, very oddly, um, so just a little little thing here. It says when he when she'd given him the keys. So so Karis is borrowing the McNeil's car uh-huh. to get around. Um, when she'd given him the keys, Karis walked back to his room at the residence hall. He left the tape recorder there, collected the tape of Reagan's voice. Then he went back across the street. To Chris's parked car, does that mean that they are across the street from each other, or is that just where Chris's car is? I think it's just where Chris's car is, and and the dorms okay. are so close, right? Gotcha. Every, okay. Everything, yeah, yeah. everything in the movie, it feels like everything is is quite a distance, but on Google Maps, they are very, mm-hmm. they're all next to each other. Okay, but not like ex- like across the street, right? Oh, uh, not across the street, but he can in the book he can look out of his office and see this weird little house, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. so yeah, pretty just, close. Just, uh, Okay, so now, now we're getting started. He's, he's getting back into the McNeil car. Okay, here we go. A reading from the Book of Blatty. When she'd given him the keys, Karis walked back to his room at the residence hall. He left the tape recorder there and collected the tape of Reagan's voice. Then he went back across the street to Chris's parked car. Climbing in, he heard Carl calling out from the doorway of the house. Father Karis! Karis looked. Carl was rushing down the stoop, quickly throwing on a jacket. He was waving. Father Karis, one moment! Karis leaned over and cranked down the window on the passenger side. Carl leaned his head in. You are going which way, Father Karras? DuPont Circle. Ah, yes, good. You could drop me, please, Father. You would mind? Glad to do it. Jump in. Carl nodded. I appreciate it, Father. Karras started up the engine. Do you good to get out? Yes, I go to see a film. A good film. Karras put the car in gear and pulled away. For a time, they drove in silence. Karras was preoccupied, searching for answers. Possession. Impossible. The holy water. Still. Carl... You knew Mr. Dennings pretty well, wouldn't you say? Carl stared through the windshield, then nodded stiffly. Yes, I know him. When Reagan... When she appears to be Dennings, do you get the impression that she really is? Long pause, and then a flat and expressionless yes. Garris nodded, feeling haunted. There was no more conversation until they reached DuPont Circle, where they came to a traffic signal and stopped. I get off here, Father Garris, Carl said, opening the door. I can catch here the bus. He climbed out, then leaned his head in the window. Father, thank you very much. I appreciate. Thank you. He stood back on the safety island and waited for the light to change. He smiled and waved as the priest drove away. He watched the car until at last it disappeared around the bend at the mouth of Massachusetts Avenue. Then he ran for a bus, boarded, 
took a transfer, changed buses, rode in silence until finally he debarked at a northeast tenement section of the city, where he walked to a crumbling apartment building and entered. Carl paused at the bottom of the gloomy staircase, smelling acrid aromas of efficiency kitchens. From somewhere, the sound of a baby crying. He lowered his head. A roach scuttled quickly from a baseboard and across the stair in jagging darts. He clutched at the banister and seemed on the verge of turning back, but then shook his head and began to climb. Each groaning footfall creaked like a rebuke. On the second floor, he walked to a door in a murky wing, and for a moment he stood there, a hand on the doorframe. He glanced at the wall, peeling paint, Nikki and Ellen, in a penciled scroll, and below it, a date and a heart whose core was cracking plaster. Carl pushed the buzzer and waited, head down. From within the apartment, a squeaking of bedsprings, irritable muttering, then someone approaching, a sound that was irregular, the dragging clump of an orthopedic shoe. Abruptly, the door jerked partly open, the chain of a safety latch rattling to its limit as a woman in a slip scowled out through the aperture, a cigarette dangling from the corner of her mouth. Oh, it's you, she said huskily. She took off the chain. Carl met the eyes that were shifting hardness, that were haggard wells of pain and blame, glimpsed briefly the dissolute bending of the lips and the ravaged face of a youth and a beauty buried alive in a thousand motel rooms, in a thousand awakenings from restless sleep, with a stifled cry and remembered grace. Come on, tell him to fuck off. A coarse male voice from within the apartment slurred the boyfriend. The girl turned her head and snapped quickly. Ah, oh, shut up, jerk, it's Pop! The girl turned to Carl. He's drunk, Pop. You better not come in. Carl nodded. The girl's hollow eyes shifted down to his hand as it reached to a back trouser pocket for a wallet. How's Mama? She asked him, dragging on her cigarette, eyes on the hands that were dipping in the wallet, hands counting out tens. She is fine, he nodded tersely. Your mother is fine. As he handed her the money, she began to cough rackingly. She threw up a hand to her mouth. <coughs> Fucking cigarettes, she choked out. Carl stared at the puncture scabs on her arm. <coughs> Thanks, Pop. He felt the money being slipped from his fingers. Jesus, hurry it up! Listen, Pop, we better cut this short, okay? You know how he gets. Elvira, Carl had suddenly reached through the door and grasped her wrist. There is clinic in New York now, he whispered at her pleadingly. She was grimacing, trying to break free from his grip. Oh, come on! I will send you. They will help you. You don't go to jail. It is- Jesus, come on, Pop! She screeched, breaking free from his clutch. No, please, it is- She slammed the door in his face. In the shadowy hall, in the carpeted tomb of his expectations, Carl stared mutely for a moment at the door, and then lowered his head into quiet grief. From within the apartment came muffled conversation, then a cynical, ringing woman's laugh. It was followed by coughing. Carl turned away and felt a sudden stab of shock as he found his way blocked by Lieutenant Kinderman. Perhaps we could talk now, Mr. Engstrom, he wheezed, hands in the pockets of his coat, eyes sad. Perhaps we could now have a talk. All right. Oh, yeesh. Yeesh. Well, I knew it, Carl. <laughs> you knew it? I knew it. You, 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 you figured it out. You've got a... Uh, no, I didn't figure it out. <laughs> He's got a... <laughs> well, I mean, you said it right before. No, like, that's yeah. not right. Because uh, well, he's he doesn't he's have got a, a hidden daughter, he like, but not hidden. No, the mother knows about about. It's not some. I, I thought it was like he has an affair with some somebody. Oh, that's what you mean. Oh, yeah, daughter. yeah. No, this is his regular daughter. Yes, yes. But um, and I believe it is. Uh, uh, it has already been said in the book. Willie believes that she is dead. Oh, geez. Yeah. So and and I think I I can't remember exactly but i think that is uh, carl who has said that oh god carl what is yeah. you doing <laughs> why, I, why I mean, is that 
That, I'm not, I might be wrong about that, be. but like it, it might just be that um, for whatever reason she she thinks that um, uh, that Elvira is dead, but Carl knows that she's alive and he has been keeping that from Willie, giving her money. Um, um, I, I like. I guess I guess giving her money and hoping that she doesn't use it for drugs, yeah, but like well, she's obviously like addicted. Right. Um, and supporting and, the boyfriend with his drug habit. And so, yeah, I, yes. Um, and he's in in this scene. We see that he's desperately trying to to get uh, her help, mm-hmm. like get her into a clinic. Um, there is and foundation. Uh, sorry, <laughs> and foundation. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> gotta remember that foundation. Um, but there was a. Um, I, I guess I guess we already missed it. But there was a uh, kind of like an inner monologue scene. Uh, or an inner soliloquy scene, I guess, if we're going to be correct about it, with uh, with Kinderman. And he's kind of like, he's thinking about Carl. And he's like, well, you know, like, he he, he looked up uh, Carl and Willie's history mm-hmm. and sees that they were fired from their previous job right. as housekeepers right. um, for, like, the possession of drugs. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And so he's thinking, he's like, okay, this is suspicious. But then the weird thing is, and the thing that, that um, uh, Kinderman can't figure out is – why the previous employers gave him such a gave Carl and Willie such a good recommendation letter? Right. Like they they said, and 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 immediately Chris McNeil picked both of them right up. Mm-hmm. So he's like, if if he really did steal and use drugs, then they wouldn't have done that. Right. So what is the deal? Um, and now we we find out what the what the deal is. Jeez, yeah, that's quite that's quite a secret. What do you think? What do you um? Do you think this uh this endears us to Carl? Do you think this is this is um? much more uh, this this gives more depth to him yeah certainly uh it does and then in the book right we're we're trying to do this supernatural mystery right the supernatural mm-hmm. detective story and so this has cleared up any doubt that we have that carl is involved or anything right i guess at this mm-hmm. point we know it's reagan or at least we have more of a suspicion for it but we we're, we've closed right. that um that uh that channel for kinderman so now yes. all he has left is I, i'm assuming to go and look at the reagan more yeah, yeah, and it's like not only not only have have we closed that that door with mm-hmm. Carl, but we've closed it in a way we're like, oh, Carl, like like I knew you were good, right? <laughs> right. Like I knew you were a good guy. No one who um, speaks German can be an evil man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's German for the bot. <laughs> the. <laughs> um, but now, I mean, folks, if you if you go and you. Uh, if you are still reading the book along with us, um, or if you remember, there are a lot of scenes where Carl is being especially tender to Reagan right. and her situation. And like, there's that scene with um, with him, uh, you know, uh, wrapping up ice cubes in a little cloth and putting it on her forehead, right, without being asked right. to, without being told to, and without and being just like, like, "I'm going to go and do this thing for Reagan." Like, 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 right? Yeah, Chris like catches him like almost like he's keeping that a secret that he right, right. yeah. Yeah. So so now we now we understand because he has a daughter of his own and uh, and the way he looks at Reagan now it's like this is geez another girl that that I am I mean he he probably considers himself responsible for it's like the I like if if this doesn't get fixed that that is also my fault right. right? And I've been yeah. laughing about the straps thing, but you know, I don't know how involved he's been with Elmira and Elvira and trying to get her clean. But sometimes you have to right. you know like restrain people who are going through withdrawal. Yes. So maybe he's done yeah. something like that before because that's that's something that is. Not not in the movie that we're really thinking about it, and, but afterwards mm-hmm. when we're trying to dissect the movie, you know, minute by minute incorrectly, it's like, well, why why does Carl know all this? Like, how does he know how to how to mm-hmm. deal with Reagan so well? Like Sharon, we have explanations in the book about what well, the doctor said to do this, and we have mm-hmm. this training, et cetera. But Carl Carl seems to know how to restrain a a stronger than average uh, little girl, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did he get all that? Well, I guess from experience. 
Right, right. And just the idea of like this is this is yet another person who he has to physically fight mm-hmm. for their own good, right? right? Like this is somebody he loves that he has to like like they're, you know, because they're they're not compliant with him. Right. They're, you know, like like Reagan doesn't want to be tied, or well, Captain Howdy doesn't want to be tied right. up. Um, you know, Elvira doesn't want to be helped, and and he has to do what he believes is is, and you know, it's a it's a question of faith again. Like I'm sure as he's doing this, like he's at, it's like, am I am I really doing the right thing? Right, right, because it's you know Ugh. when you're helping someone with withdrawal of any drug, right? If, if you are hurting, like you're hurting them, like yeah, like they are in they're pain. In pain. Yeah. That's the only way to get out of that out of that is to mm-hmm. see them going through pain. Oh God, Ugh, Carl! Carl, yeesh. <laughs> but yeah, well, so, that's very interesting. So, Thank you for letting me play that game and uh, yeah, <laughs> telling yeah. me when to stop reading the book so I could mm-hmm, find mm-hmm. out with you and all the listeners. Yeah, and folks, yeah, like if you if you didn't know about this uh, this scene, I I um I hope this was uh, as as uh, as uh, eye opening, mind opening, uh, uh, heart opening, uh, uh, for you as well. <laughs> depressing. <laughs> Hope this was as much a bummer for you. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping, you know, like we've talked a lot about like hiding behind the supernatural. I was, it'd be great if Elvira was a werewolf or, you know, <laughs> or she was a revived mummy uh, of, a, of, a, of a pharaoh or something. That'd be- I mean, just the, ne- you know, Elvira. I mean. <laughs> no, no. She, she yeah. is very sick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bummer, yeah. Lester. Bummer. Yeah, bummer, bummer. But, I mean, again, in this like because it's not in the movie, we don't really get to explore it that much, but it does tie in with, with Blatty's other themes. This is like, this, this is a father's love. Again, we got a father, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is, this is mothers and fathers folks. Right. And, and you know, that's, that's the one kind of like thing I'm a little bit like, oh, because like Carl's, Carl's role as a father is, is kind of like, um, is, is excised from, uh, from our, from our movie here. But yeah, that's why I wanted to share it. Great. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so now we're back to uh, we're back to the movie, and we know that Karis has also, just like Carl, has not given up on his daughter. Karis has not given up on this family, and we know that because he is now in the language lab. That is the next scene. But what is his objective right now? Like, I still get the impression that he's uh, skeptical, um, and I think you you hinted at that as well, Keenan. What yeah, do you think? The way that it looks like in this movie, it feels like he's at this language lab with the language lab director. And mm-hmm. he is just sort of chasing down this this lead that he knows isn't going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here you go. You listen. I've listened to this, but now I better do my due diligence and cross this off the list that this is not a um, a language, right? Because he's supposed to be trying to find a language that Reagan wouldn't know how to speak um, mm-hmm, in order mm-hmm. to prove to the the uh, church bureaucracy that he sh- that she should get an exorcist. So, right, yeah. right. So he's he's just sitting there. He's pretty slumped over. He's looking over at this guy. He's he isn't mm-hmm. doing some of the things you might expect of like like um, you know, oh, I hear a little bit of cadence or a little bit of um right. pattern and like oh you know signaling to this guy that's that's it that's it. he just says any of that he doesn't think there's anything mm-hmm, on the stage mm-hmm. at all it's just gibberish now you say that uh-huh. um and i and I, I i agree with you partially but just i mean the shot that we get of his face mm-hmm. here like as you know we, we we cut from the the establishing shot of the language and, and we'll get there i'm gonna right, I, right. I have notes about that but um but yeah actually before that so in the book, there are actually three visits to the language lab. Um, one, when he listens to the tape of normal Reagan, right? You know, it's like the, the thing that he's trying, th- that um, Reagan and, and Chris are, are sending to Howard, right? right? Um, that they never finish. Um, and then two, for the backwards tape. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first time he comes in with the backwards tape, the language lab director is there with him and can't figure it out. Oh, okay. 
And yeah. the uh, the language lab director of the script is named Frank. So just to yeah, keep yeah. track of uh, what Blatty thinks of these uh, supporting dude characters, we got Frank, right. Louie, Tommy, who is also Mike, yeah. I believe, and uh, Chuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. We got like... Frank, Louie, Tommy, Mike, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be our next warm-up. Yeah. Frank, Louie, Tommy, Tommy, Mike, Chuck. Tommy, Mike, Chuck. Yeah. Frank, Louie, yeah. Tommy, who is also Mike, Chuck. Yeah, who's <laughs> also Mike, formerly known as Mike. Yeah, the driver, formerly known as Mike. Yeah, um, but yeah, like and and then let's see. Uh, and yeah, I believe it is Frank in the book as okay, well. Yeah. Uh, this this language lab director. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so yeah, so he actually leaves the tape with the language lab director, who then calls him later. Um, but in between that, Karis is kind of like doing his own investigating. Mm-hmm. Now, I have another reading, but I want to save it for the end. Mm-hmm. For right now, let's just get into this scene. So we're back at the language lab, except now we're in that little like corner office right under the um, the Taskete uh, sign, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which we now know means help or help me in Japanese. Taskete right? senpai. Yeah, right. That's one of those. There, like, if you if you are a a um, a, a member of the of the um, the uh, anime circles, right? You know, there's there's kawaii, there's baka, and there's taskete, and the, those are the those are the things that everybody says. And oishi. Sorry, I forgot oishi. Oishi. Right? Yes. Right. If you're a member of the anime, what did you say? That sounded so I fancy. Said, I was trying. It was like. Well, no, you know how people say they um, they run in different circles, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're okay, yeah, like if you're an anime of the fan, anime or, circles, right? right. Yes, no, right, if you yeah. are a nerd, if you are yeah, like a, us, uh, like a us, weeb, yes, yeah. like us, yeah. <laughs> then, uh, then, then you've probably heard those things. Yes, I mean, right? my my yeah. sister and I, uh, when we were, I mean, we were sort of Marco Polo around the house by going um, uh-huh. Inuyasha, <laughs> Kagome. <laughs> we find each other like that. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And just to clarify, um. That is not all Japanese people say. <laughs> there are other words. <laughs> there are other words, right. Unlike in France, where they only have three songs uh, right. with no titles. <laughs> and everyone is either named Maurice or Napoleon. <laughs> in Japan, it is, it is, it is, uh, it is very, it is highly varied. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have like three different ways to say the same thing, right? Based on, yes. your, on well, your relationship you, to other people. Mm-hmm. Three different alphabets, all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, three different alphabets, and then like three different formality levels. Maybe there's more. Oh no, no I think there's oh, more. Yeah, jeez, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yep, yep. when you're speaking to the prince, you have to speak in this. You have to change the the language you use. When you speak to yeah. God, the face of God, you have to change the language mm-hmm. you're using. Yeah. All right. When you speak to your father, your mother, <laughs> we speak to your friends. Jeez. So this is why I never learned Japanese fully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, and this is what I tell my students. I say, just be thankful because, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're talking about how uh, complicated and difficult Japanese is. Um, just be thankful, Keenan, that you and I already know the dumbest, <laughs> most nonsensical, most unorganized, mm-hmm. most bonkers, cuckoo banana pants language there is, right. which makes absolutely no sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it begins to make sense. I'm talking about English, folks. If you're, uh, yeah, if you, um, if you were a Germanic uh, knight from the 1400s, you'd be a knight. Yeah, you'd be a knight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. Right, because you got to pr- you got to pronounce that gh. Knixed. Yeah, right, and then you cut the you cut the meat with your knif. <laughs> right. So dumb. And you drink and you know things. <laughs> the hell, English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen, listen to, listen to, um, not even, okay, Keenan, little, little, um, ah, well, we slipped into the Shakespeare trap, I guess. But, uh, okay, just little, little pop quiz, little, little, because I know you love those pop quizzes. I love today, them, I'm a trivia today. maven, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, you know, we have Old English, we have Middle English, we have Modern English, right, all that stuff, right? What would you say Shakespeare is? 
people say old English, but he's not, but he's early modern no. English. Yes, yes, right? That's a, that's a thing. Like next time you're at a party, folks, and you want uh, you want to make sure that nobody ever talks to you again. <laughs> play this little card. Just be like, uh, just like, hey, did you know? It's like Shakespeare is not, Shakespeare is actually modern English. Yes, it's, it's early, early modern, modern English. Modern yeah. English. It's so as, as, as different as it is from, from how we talk now, mm-hmm. that is, that is the closest to, like, it's, it's not even middle right, English. Right. Right. So yeah. Stupid. If you want, if, yeah, if you want, if you want. Old English, it doesn't even sound like it. It sounds like what's coming out of that tape right now. <laughs> it's English. <laughs> it's, a t- <laughs> it's a language. Early modern English, did you know? It's English. Folks, yeah. Sheesh. Um, but yeah, right, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so we got we got Karis. Oh, let's get out of the Shakespeare trap. It's like, he's, he's like, he's like those, those, uh, those, um, those companies that don't tell you about the renewal subscription <laughs> thing, you know, if you don't get out of the Shakespeare trap, you're just going to be in there forever, oh, God, right? And yeah. it's going to be, it's a yearly fee and we don't want that. So we got it. Let's get out, out damn Shakespeare. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, now now we're out. Now we, I've canceled my subscription. It's, it's good. All right. See you next week. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you'll be back. Yes. So what, no, how does, how does it say? You'll be back, <laughs> right? This is the play. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we got Karis and the lab di- uh, director, and they're listening to Reagan speaking in tongues, right? That's what the subtitle says, speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. right? And Karis sort of shifts in his seat, and we can even see him from this distance. We're still on the establishing shot, folks. We can see from this distance that he steals a glance up at the director to see if there's like any sort of reaction, mm-hmm. right? We then cut to an over the shoulder, over uh, over Karis's shoulder, uh, or more like like beside him yeah. in this yeah. tiny room, right? And we're looking up at that lab director's face. And to me, it almost seems as if he's already figured it mm-hmm. out, at least in this version. Keenan, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. But he's not giving any any indication, right? So, but he's not he's not like, like I don't know what's yeah, going he's on. he's not puzzling right? through it. He's not thinking in his head. And, and we, don't, we don't see any math bubbles over his head like in, a, in an anime. Right. Yeah, he's already figured this out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, I mean, he does look disturbed, right? We see that on his face, but it looks like he is disturbed but not puzzled, right? I don't know if he looks disturbed. Not even disturbed? I don't think so. I wouldn't say Hmm, that, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, in any case, we can see in his eye. We see his eyes flick from the tape Mm -hmm. up to Karis, and as they do, we cut, and we are close up on Karis now, and he, Keenan, you got to agree with me. He looks disturbed. He looks right? disturbed, yeah. But like like he, he doesn't even notice the lab director look at him. His eyes are focused on that tape. Yes. Like what is going cuz cuz you were saying before like as we as we opened this scene, right? He came down here like it's like I'm just going to do this. I'm going to check off this uh this box, but like he's looking at that thing like the tape is going to jump at him and get I it. think he's looking at that tape like he's like disturbed at these terrible noises, but I don't think that he see, he reads any pattern or syntax to mm. it. Interesting. Okay. I mean, just a disturbing mess of, of guttural noises that he it yeah, is. that he was um, present for. So I don't necessarily yeah. see this as like he's he's seeing like, look, here's the proof the way he has with other things like with the holy water when he comes down and right, reveals right. it to Chris and he has some expectation. I don't see any expectation here. I see. Okay, so so you're saying like so not that he's he's witnessing an infernal miracle, but just like boy, this girl is really <laughs> yeah. like out there. She's out there and I'm showing it to you, Frank. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, as we are looking at his face, we hear his voice on the tape. Who are you? And then that familiar no one may right? And along with that, we got uh, some groaning and some growling, which really does sound like it's coming from multiple sources, Mm -hmm. right? Like all talking over each other, right? Um, Now we cut back and our lab director says, so we don't even have like in the book or I'm assuming in the screenplay, like we don't even have like a back and forth between these guys, right? Right. So in, oh, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was like, you you would assume that he's like, Frank, is it a language? Mm -hmm. Because his answer is it's a language, all right. Right. Yeah, so we cut that part of it out. So in the script, it's uh, we have Kara saying, well, all right, is it a language or not? And Frank, Mm. oh, I'd say it was a language, all right. It's English. (laughs) It's what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, we have more of that in there, which which makes some sense. But I I like mm-hmm. this this version of it where we're yeah. basically in the middle of a conversation. We come in, that we do, we come in in the middle of a conversation we didn't know we were in the middle of, right? right. So so it's like Karis has said, I want you to tell me if this is a language, and then we play this tape, mm-hmm. and then the you know, and then the director says it's not like or it is language rather. Yeah, yeah, and I love like just the just the um, the economy of time and shots and 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 dialogue in in the writing. And it, like I love that we don't need any of that, mm-hmm. right? It's it's very it's like this is this is a very lean scene, and we don't and need like him it. to say. As I was asking before, Frank, is right. this a language? Frank, language lab director. <laughs> I, I came to you and my friend Frank, for over five years right, because you're the director of the language lab <laughs> here at Georgetown University. <laughs> <laughs> where I live and work. Oh wait, what, uh, what's the name of the Georgetown uh, mascot? What does he? Uh, what does he wear? Oh shoot! Damn it. Okay, we got to figure that out. This <laughs> would have been such a great joke. <laughs> we can still make it happen through the power of editing. Okay, 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 okay. okay. We'll just we'll cut all this out. Town mascot. <laughs> oh, are the uh, wait the bulldogs? Are they the bulldogs? Ahoy, athletic team. Ahoy. You think if it was like something like biblical, they would they would leave it in? Uh. <laughs> they would change it. Hoya. What's a Hoya? The fighting sows. Georgetown Hoya. What? The hell is that? <laughs> Are you going to make me Google image Hoya? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you have to. George's town's nickname is the Hoyas. It's a flower. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, well, that's great. Okay, 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 okay. we'll go back there again. <laughs> yes. So, as the director of the language lab, Frank, at Georgetown University, where we are, go Hoyas. <laughs> what's a hoya again father cares <laughs> and then father dyer just is like nothing what's a hoya with you hey <laughs> oh timon i mean father, father dyer. dyer yeah oh yeah yeah all right where are we <laughs> Uh, yeah, but so anyways, yeah, we, we're coming in the <laughs> middle of this and it is really clean and even <laughs> pared down from a, a, a scene in the screenplay that's only about four eighths of a page. We, we cut it out even, yeah. even more. Right, right. Um, and and, uh, and again, yeah, like we talked about this when we had Father Maori on. Um, like, I wonder how mind blowing this revelation was back in the day. De- like, was it mind blowing? Like, the, you know, it's like it's English and like. The way that Karis reacts, like how how is how are people in in the theaters reacting in 1973? It's like English, what? Yeah, I think they are reacting. Or at least some significant portion of them who can't afford a tape player because they're relatively expensive <laughs> at this point, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think some of them are reacting, like, oh wow, I, I didn't realize that was English. They probably are going like, oh what? Yeah, oh. I, I like man, just just to be back. Like in 1973, when when like this is it, it's a, it's like a it's an I am your father moment, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it, whatever we thought back in the day, right? Damien's mind is definitely blown here, right? Enough for him to get up out of his chair, mm-hmm. right? Like he says, what do you mean English, right? And our lab director responds. He says, it's English in reverse. Listen. Now, as he says this, Karis moves in closer, and then so do we. We cut, and we are close up on his face. He is looking at the lab director as the tape begins again, and suddenly we can understand what the demon is saying. And no matter how many times I see this movie, this is this always manages to send chills down my spine. How about you, Keenan? Yeah, it's pretty... It's I don't know what it's doing. It's something primordial, right? It's something mm-hmm. in your in the in the base of your your stomach that's just like like to hear it translated all of a sudden. All these terrible noises. Yeah, yeah it really. It's doing things that your that your ears are not supposed to be able to hear. Yeah, I I keep on thinking ahead to when Father Marin says there is only one, mm-hmm. but Karis had to do like some detective work to to figure out what is being said on this tape. So it's like Captain Howdy hid this from him initially right. by speaking backwards, and then he figures it out. But then the fact that this is also a lie, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that is chill because it's like he knew that, that Karis was going to figure this out. And so he laid another trap of like, I'm going to make you think there are multiple people here. But like, like nobody, no human being lies this good. It really does sound like Captain Howdy is arguing with other Captain Howdies. So, right. So, so Captain Howdy would have had to figure out that they were going to record him and then take it to somebody who would know that it's English back mass. And then that somebody mm-hmm. would be able to hear the word Marin and then call for Marin. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff, Captain Howdy. That is a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, there, you know, again, like, you know, the demon lies. I mean, like if anybody is as good at setting up like elaborate lies, it would be a demon, right? <laughs> or, and this is the other thing, and this also, this, this gives me an equal amount of chills. Is this just kind of like what goes through Captain Howdy's head? Like, does he argue with himself? Is he, is he like, like a, a really scary version of Gollum? Right. Not that Gollum isn't scary, <laughs> but like, like, does he, like when, when nobody's around, when Reagan is alone by herself, is Inside her head is Howdy like jabbering away, talking to himself and not, but like n- n- unironically. I mean, oh gosh, help me out before we get emails. The writer, uh-huh. the writer who does the madness with the fish people and the um, uh, Lovecraft. Thank you. <laughs> the racist guy <laughs> from Maine with the fish yes. people. Yes. All right. right. Lovecraft. Yeah. yeah. Like a Lovecraftian idea of what's going on in the heads of demons that is, you know, yes. unknowable um, and un- understandable right. that it's madness, right? In the mouths of madness. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I, I like. I keep on thinking back to like. Okay, you mentioned Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, bring up Stephen King right. again. But like when when Danny Torrance from The Shining tries to read the ghosts' minds, mm-hmm. and he just like it's not at all how normal people think. Right. It's almost like insectile, uh, right? right? And I'm just like, is that like like does he really? Is there a part of Captain Howdy saying like, oh, let her die, and then the other one is like, give us time? You right. know, it's like that's so weird. Like, pretty freaky, you know? and his. Uh... His inner monologue is not in it's not in Latin, so he's not a Christian right. uh, Christian demon, and it's not in Mesopotamian. It's in nope. American English. Yeah, it's an American. It's it's modern modern right. English. God's right? only true. It's not, even, not even Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and like, and folks, uh, just to give you the uh, uh, the full effect of this, we're going to hold off on describing it, and we're gonna we're gonna let the tape speak for itself in a second bonus reading from the Book of Vladdy here. Um, and that's how we're going to close out the show today. Um, so we're not going to talk about like exactly what uh, Captain Howdy is saying until until the next minute. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna just like we're gonna uh, read it in the Book of Vladdy at the end of this show uh, today. Uh, but before we do that, let's let's finish up talking about the visuals of this minute. Um, so our director presses play and the voices now become clear. Karis looks down and we see re-spooling in reverse. Again, I always, I always love seeing the tech mm-hmm. in the, in these old movies, right? Like, and that's actually, okay. So that's, that's an, like an unspoken rule in science fiction fantasy movies, isn't it? Like I heard someone say you should never show too much of the tech because it dates the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's really such a problem. Like Alien has a lot of uh, you know clunky '70s tech, and I still love it, right? Yeah. Like I love it. I love it because of that. You know. Well, some things in Alien have have aged, like the computer system, right? Mm-hmm. But the, when we actually see what the screen is like, like I don't think that they could have really predicted that what we'd be doing with little computers on our phone. But the other yeah. stuff in Alien is is old. Right. Mm, so even though yeah. it's a spaceship, I mean, they're called the hull and they like they mm-hmm. have grading. Right. They have they walk on grates like a catwalk. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got to interview um, actually Roger Christian, who was the um, <gasps> set decorator for Star Wars. So he's the one who built the Ooh. first um, um, light sword. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Looking oh, at the first, the first. lightsaber. Yeah. Are you trying? Are you trying not to get sued? Or, <laughs> or is like... No, I was looking at my hands and holding holding an imaginary one in my hands. I could turn to the grid. No, I'm not trying to get. I can see it. It's old. <laughs> I just can't remember what these things are called. Um, but right, yeah, right. but and and then he was the art director on Alien. So he uh-huh, won uh-huh. he won Oscars for for both of those. Um, and you know, and he was talking about that. You know, which I'm sure if you're a Star Wars or Alien fan, this is old news to you, but. Roger mm-hmm, Christian was mm-hmm. talking about that, about like his process was going and getting stuff from the junkyards and like not trying to think of like, oh, what's the yeah. newest stuff? So even the lightsaber is built out of old, old parts of stuff cobbled together to right. make it look old, um, yeah. you know, because that movie's in a, a long, a long, long time ago. I could still remember. Well, how does it go? <laughs> <laughs> long, long time ago. I could still remember the music used to make me cry. <laughs> and the three men I admired the most, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Like, I took the last I think, train I, for the coast today. You went. <laughs> the music died. No, no. <laughs> you know, Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god, all of our all of our Star Wars fans, all of our Star Wars listeners. Keenan, first, first you can't remember lightsaber. Lightsaber. I I understand. And then it is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which you started to say. And then you went into Weird Al Yankovic's parody song. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so that's then, not, yeah, but then you that. went into the real song. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> which, is, which is American Pie. Yeah, that's that's the, that's if Reagan or if Danny Torrance were reading my mind, you would get all that. <laughs> so let me, yeah, so I'll recognize my privilege. I have talked personally to the man yes. who invented the lightsaber. Yes. <laughs> But I don't remember what it's called. You didn't, you didn't say light sword in front of him, did you? No, I was very, okay. very well researched. I read his book. Okay. I watched all of his stuff. <laughs> we had a lovely, lovely talk. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, I realized that some Star Wars people would be very upset at me that I, uh, yeah. 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 Um, well, well, as they say in Star Wars, mm-hmm. make it so. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know that. I know that. But anyways, yeah, Roger Christian talks about that. I like trying to make this stuff look old. So it, like not only because it was right for 
for the movie because the movie was set in the in the distant past and it was also like right. post um post war right um, mm-hmm. like it's a time of civil war is how that mm-hmm. that scrawl actually starts i do I, know that sh- sure yeah <laughs> uh, but like it's also yeah and then alien was similar right it's truckers in space we don't want them to have yes. fancy stuff um yeah. But then, like, we recently looked at The Exorcist 3 um, uh-huh. for our guest spot on True Story FM, Sitting in the Dark. Yes, yeah, Sitting in the Dark, folks. Yeah, our episode is out now. Go check that out. Um, yeah. I think what it's called, Possessed? Possessed by Lester and Keenan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's called. But, Wait, yeah. does that mean they are, is it Possessed, colon, by, with, like, with Lester and Keenan? Or is it, are, are they Possessed by us? Possessed, exclamation point, by Lester and Keenan. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe take that either way, folks. Yeah, but, like, that, that movie... Um, has computer stuff that's very age, like like because it's Kinderman is the main character, and he's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. doing like um, fingerprint samples or something, whatever, and it's on a computer screen that just looks so nineties, right? I yes. think I think that that stuff ages really really um, poorly, um, mm. but like we're in a way like a tape recorder doesn't necessarily feel that old, mm. but if they were to show a, a computer screen here, we would be like, oh, because yeah. that moves so fast. Precisely, yes. Um, but it's I always think it's interesting to see like like what you know, this decade thinks the future is going to mm-hmm. look like, right? Like you can always tell like what the, what, what people back in the sixties or the seventies or the eighties thought the future was going to be based on like the movies, right? right. Like in the sixties, right. It's clean and white. Right? right. And you know, it's very Ray Bradbury, right. In the eighties, everything is blown to bits. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's radiation everywhere <laughs> because of course that's what, what was on everybody's mind. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, it makes me wonder like, um, Keenan, we are, primed for a slew of movies about evil AI. Oh, um, that's a good point. That is the looming threat lately. Um, but yeah, oh wait, sorry, did I say threat? Um, uh, just in case it is the future and our <laughs> our benevolent and generous AI overlords are listening, right. that is the looming inevitability. <laughs> Which we welcome with o- we with welcome. with open fleshy arms. Yes, please use our fleshy arms to uh, whatever fulfill purpose. your marvelous purposes. Yes, yes. <laughs> whatever you deign to be uh, our purposes, since you think so so much faster and so much better than us. Yes, we yes, couldn't possibly a- comprehend what you would do with our our little fingers. No, couldn't possibly. Yeah, it's okay. They don't understand sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay. <laughs> So back to this minute, um, and this beautiful, like clicky, clunky tape player. Mm-hmm. Um, we we cut from there, and we are back in Karis's uh, dorm. Mm-hmm. What like what do you call this if if it's not if you're not a student, right? Like it's it's his room at the Jesuit residence hall at the university. Like he sleeps there, he works there, he drinks and he cries about his mom there. Right. Um, I think it's a dorm, but it's also his cell, right? Because he's a priest. Yeah. So yeah, but I think I think the right thing is a dorm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, now, did we talk about this room enough the last time we were here? Like, we see a lot of stuff here. Like, we're shooting again. We're shooting into a corner, right? Like, do we want to talk about this? Like, like yeah, well, everything that's going on. Here? Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen it in a while since he was really mourning his um, his mother and like being on mm-hmm. the floor and hanging out there. And it, it right. looks like he's slowly getting his his stuff back together, right? Um, and we're also shooting in this corner, uh, but he's getting his stuff back together, but he's not, we don't necessarily get a sense that he's like, like a healed human being. Like, right. It, this might be where he was before his mother died, but just mm-hmm. compare it to like Frank, the language lab director's corner. And it has all mm-hmm. like these, um, drawings from presumably Frank's children mm-hmm, and pictures mm-hmm. of Frank's wife. And like, mm-hmm. you know, that's just where he goes to work. And there's like evidence of humanity. And then Karis, yeah. this is where he lives. And there's very little evidence of humanity. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that stood out to me in addition to that awesome typewriter, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm kind of like a, a, a typewriter, uh, um, what, what would you say? Weeb. I don't know a lot, a lot about typewriters. I just like them. Right. Um, 
Yeah, okay, I type right a wee. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. an amateur, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing uh, is that it is framed in such a way where you almost feel like it ends at the filing cabinets. Uh-huh, right. Right? Um, it, almost, it almost feels like that's the wall of his room. But right. then you have this whole quarter of the screen in blackness except for a little spotlight in the center of which is a cross. Mm, a cross from where? Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> As I was reading that note. <laughs> you know, folks, like when you're when you're when you're bicycling or you're skiing or you're playing baseball and you see the thing and it's coming right for your face. And I was like, I'm building up this this poignant oh, it's so beautiful. It's emotional so beautiful. moment. And then bam. Yeah. But yes, um, across from the room, or, you know, across from Karis. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love how for like from where he is, he mm-hmm. can't see it. Right. Right. It's blocked by those filing cabinets, like by by files, by uh, physical, tangible evidence. Right. Mm-hmm. Documentation, medical records, reports, logic, the uh, controlled organized logical side of his personality, the doctor side, is blocking his ability to see that cross. Right. But then. There's another light shining on this tape player, like here. Here is the truth. Here is what you should be paying attention to. Right. Right. That's great. Mm. And it's interesting where he's standing in this shot, because like, if you think about it, he's in his home. Mm-hmm. This is his room. That is his desk. And he is up late doing work, so he should be at the desk, but he has backed away from the desk, almost as if he's scared of the recording, like, and he's retreated to this place by the window, like, like, like that's a possible exit. Like, right. like if the voices get too scary, he can jump out the. Oh, wait. <laughs> but he's holding his head in his hands, like, oh, geez, I don't know if I want to know what's on this tape, right? Yeah, right. So, but like, so then our last shot. Now it, it looks like we are at the desk, and we're sort of like peering over the tape recorder, looking at Karis as he's looking at the tape recorder as this thing is growling. And what do we make of his expression here? Like, what do we think he is thinking? Um, and again, we said this minute ends on a line. It says, fear the priest. Mm-hmm. What does he think when he hears fear the priest? Mm-hmm. It's like, is that him? Is that right. like, like what's going on? Right? You must assume it's him, right? It has to, because there's no other, there's folks, there's no other priest, right? <laughs> like there's no, there's nobody else, right? Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I'm just looking at his face right now. Like, have the scales been lifted from his eyes? Is he still skeptical? Is he just terrified? Like, I think we talked about it uh, already, like in the language lab, right? Um, it's getting, it's, but for me, as I'm watching this right here, it's almost like it's getting to the point where he is unable to deny the evidence and he is dealing with that. But you're still thinking, you're still kind of like on the side of like, he's he's just um, having to deal with this girl's psychosis. No, I think he, I think he has, he's sort of, he has to be confronting what he's learned that this is that this is back basking and you know mm. i don't I, apparently i mean he wouldn't have necessarily said this to the um the language lab guy frank right but mm. like he, right. i mean <laughs> frank frank in the script is like accusing him of pulling his leg or something like, you're, you're telling me yeah. this little girl said this out loud and then yeah karis was there so he recorded mm-hmm. it and heard it coming out of her mouth backwards and so like right. yeah he I think he is starting to confront the things you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And in in, in the book, he um, he specifically uh, mentions to the lab director, it's like, this was all one person. Right. Right. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. But well, folks, like I said, we're going to close out uh, our episode with our book of Blatty today. We got another one. Um, but before that, Keenan, is there anything else that we missed? No, I think we got it. Okay. 
folks. This has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can catch me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz, and you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd as Howdy Keenan. Yeah, we got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join, and we'll let you in here with us. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media, and a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to our show. We really appreciate it. That's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. All right. Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time. The, the power, power of, of lightsabers, lightsabers compels you. Lightsabers, lightsabers. Lightsabers, lightsabers. All right, folks. And now we're going to close out with a very special reading from the Book of Blatty. Here we go. Karis sagged. She did pick the Latin up from my brain. Staring bleakly, he lowered his brow to his hand, into doubt, into torments of knowledge and reason, telepathy more common in states of great tension, speaking always in a language known to someone in the room, thinks the same things I'm thinking, bonjour, la plume de matin, bon oui. With thoughts such as these, he slowly watched blood, turning back into wine. What to do? Get some sleep. Then come back and try again, try again, try again. He stood up and looked blearily at Sharon, she was leaning with her back against the sink, arms folded, watching him thoughtfully. I'm going over to the residence, he told her. As soon as Reagan's awake, I'd like a call. Yes, I'll call you. And the compazine, he reminded her. You won't forget? She shook her head. No, I'll take care of it right away, she said. He nodded. With hands in hip pockets, he looked down, trying to think of what he might have forgotten to tell Sharon. Always something to be done. Always something overlooked when even everything was done. Father, what's going on? He heard her ask gravely. What is it? What's really going on with Rags? He lifted up eyes that were haunted and seared. I really don't know, he said emptily. He turned and walked out of the kitchen. As he passed through the entry hall, Karis heard footsteps coming up rapidly behind him. Father Karis! He turned, saw Carl with his sweater. Very sorry, said the servant as he handed it over. I was thinking to finish much before, but I forget. The vomit stains were gone, and it had a sweet smell. That was very thoughtful of you, Carl, the priest said gently. Thank you. Thank you, Father Karis. There was a tremor in his voice, and his eyes were full. Thank you for helping Miss Regan. Carl finished. Then he averted his head, self-conscious, and swiftly left the entry. Karis watched, remembering him in Kinderman's car. More mystery. Confusion. Wearily, he opened the door. It was night. Despairing, he stepped out of darkness. Into darkness. He crossed to the residence, groping towards sleep. But as he entered his room, he looked down and saw a message slip, pink on the floor. He picked it up. From Frank. The tapes. Home number. Please call. He picked up the telephone and requested the number, waited. His hands shook with desperate hope. Hello? A young boy, piping voice. May I speak to your father, please? Yes, just a minute. Phone clattering, then quickly picked up. Still the boy. Who is this? Father Karras. Father Carrots? His heart thumping, Karras spoke evenly. Karras, Father Karras. Down went the phone again. Karras pressed digging fingers against his brow. Phone noise. Father Karras. Yes, hello, Frank. I've been trying to reach you. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been working on your tapes at the house. Are you finished? Yes, I am. By the way, this is pretty weird stuff. I know. Karis tried to flatten the tension in his voice. What's the story, Frank? What have you found? Well, this type token ratio first. Yes? Well, I didn't have enough of a sampling to be absolutely accurate, you understand. But I'd say it's pretty close, or at least as close as you can get with these things. Well, at any rate, the two different voices on the tapes, I would say, are probably separate personalities. Probably? Well, I wouldn't want to swear to it in court. In fact, I'd have to say the variance is pretty minimal. Minimal, Karis repeated dully. Well, that's the ballgame. And what about the gibberish? He asked without hope. Is it any kind of language? Frank chuckled. 
What's funny? asked the Jesuit moodily. Was this really some sneaky psychological testing, father? I don't know what you mean, Frank. Well, I guess you got your tapes mixed around as something. It's- Frank, is it a language or not? cut in Karis. Oh, I'd say it was a language, all right. Karis stiffened. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm not. What's the language? he asked, unbelieving. English. For a moment, Karis was mute. And when he spoke, there was an edge to his voice. Frank, we seem to have a very poor connection, or would you like to let me in on the joke? Got your tape recorder there? Asked Frank. It was sitting on his desk. Yes, I do. Has it got a reverse play position? Why? Has it got one? Just a second. Irritable, Karis set down the phone and took the top off the tape recorder to check it. Yes, it's got one. Frank, what's this all about? Put your tape on the machine and play it backward. What? <laughs> you got gremlins. Frank laughed. Look, play it and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night, father. Night, Frank. Have fun. Karis hung up. He looked baffled. He hunted up the gibberish tape and threaded it onto the recorder. First, he ran it forward, listening. Shook his head. No mistake. It was gibberish. He let it run through to the end and then played it in reverse. He heard his voice speaking backward. Then, Reagan, or someone, in. English. Oh. 